Welcome to Business Class Money Minutes, powered by American Express. This is the podcast unpacking big money topics for small business owners, providing you with the tools and insights to solve those common financial headaches and challenges. I'm your host, founder and entrepreneur, Sharmadine Reed, And today we're going to talk all about subscriptions and what a subscription model could mean for your business. According to data from YouGov, disruptions brought by the pandemic saw food subscription services in the UK skyrocket, with consumers spending more than $1.4 billion on them in 2020. I'm joined by Alessandro Savelli, founder of food subscription business Pasta Evangelist. They ship pre-portioned meals and recipes to homes and businesses across the UK. Pasta Evangelist started in 2016 and currently 100% of the online business is subscription, with a projection to more than double the base in the next five years. Last year, the company was sold for a reported 40 million. That's incredible, Alessandro. Welcome to the show. Grazie mille. Nice to be here. Six years ago when you started Pastor Evangelis, were food subscription businesses normal? They just started. They weren't normal. It was early days, but it definitely felt something which was going to grow over time. You noticed that there were other industries doing subscription, but why did you think that would work for food and more specifically for pasta? I thought it was a very appealing commercial direction because it enables you to sell direct to the consumer, avoiding retailers, and therefore capturing more of the margin, but more importantly, moving quickly and indeed selling directly to final consumers. Point two, I thought pasta could work well. It's a compact product which would fit well into packaging. And the ultimate thesis and mission of Pasta Evangelist is really to create the authority in pasta. And so I thought, given that I'm not getting any younger, and this is my second company, and unfortunately the first one failed, I thought, what's the quickest way to get product sold to customers? And I thought a direct-to-consumer subscription would be the quickest way to start selling products. Were you into food before? What market research and trends, what macro trends were you hearing from customers that made you think that this was the industry you wanted to enter into? So I never worked in food. My previous company was in luxury goods and technology, and I worked in finance. So definitely no food experience. However, my co-founder, Chris, has worked in food. I am passionate about food. I love food. I love cooking. My family had some business in food, so there was an angle. But to be fair, I was a novice in the food industry. In terms of research, I would say limited research. For sure, I saw creating a premium, beautiful pasta brand could be a very exciting commercial opportunity. And being Italian, loving pasta, I thought I was quite uniquely positioned to do that. And so, frankly, I didn't spend too much time thinking about it. So just because something hasn't been done before doesn't mean it can't be done well, as we well know. So when you were planning to launch Pasta Evangelist and you were thinking about the model, how were you looking at food in terms of shrinkage, perishability, all of those costs associated with setting up a subscription business where typically subscription businesses are goods that can just sit in a warehouse for six months? No, totally right. For sure, the wastage element of food makes it less appealing for a subscription business. However, unlike other products which sit around in a warehouse for many months, food is something you consume every day, which makes it very good for a subscription business. So in theory, you get the frequency, but you also get wastage, shelf life, and other food-specific elements. I think for us, the key was really to get as much product sold as quickly as possible. And therefore, we were very focused on growing sales, proving the model, growing the brands. And I think we perhaps didn't focus as much on the operational elements as we should have. That sounds like 
you've got a story to tell. Talk to me about that operational supply chain delivery. What are some of the early mistakes you made in building your subscription business? I mean, we've made every mistake from packaging to logistics. <laughs> like every single mistake you could have made. Yeah, I think so. Unfortunately, we're still making some of these mistakes. Equally, what we have done is we've grown the brand very quickly. This has enabled us to diversify in other channels, be those retail, we have a restaurant, we've got concessions, we have a very a meaningful takeaway business. And so the subscription e-commerce direct-to-consumer channel and business has grown the brand to the point that has enabled the company to open up other avenues, which are currently bigger than the direct-to-consumer e-commerce business itself. So that's really interesting. So it's almost like the subscription business was the marketing brand awareness to support a more diverse revenue stream. Correct. Was that always the plan? The plan was from day one to build an omni-channel business. Because ultimately, our mission is to, again, to create the authority in fresh pasta. And pasta, you can eat in a restaurant, you can eat a takeaway, you can take in a supermarket, you can buy it online. There's many ways to consume that. And, and we were focused on creating an amazing brand and amazing products. How we would sell it, we're less interested in, as long as it maintains the integrity of the product, it's brand creative, and it creates margin. What were some of the costs that you didn't anticipate at all when starting a subscription business? I mean, subscription online businesses are definitely marketing hungry. If you want the acquisition machine to work, and to an extent, the retention machine to work, that does require ongoing cash investments, which we did do. What we didn't do as much is the investments in operations, which perhaps we should have anticipated. And we also didn't do sufficient investment in technology. Equally, it's hard to do everything at the right level of intensity and investment and know-how because it would be difficult to do all three. And we chose to focus on brand and marketing to grow that brand. What made you choose that? Probably my background, I would say. My background is not really in operations and technology. It's more in brand, business development, channel creation, marketing. And I also was keen to focus on what would create the most value for the stakeholders. And ultimately, in FMCG, people buy brands. How did you approach hiring for your weaknesses? So from day one, I was focused on finding co-founders. And I was lucky enough to find two. One co-founder I found after two months and one after I found after 12 months. And this was quite a deliberate strategic process whereby I kept on meeting potential co-founders until I found what I thought would be the right one. And for these two roles, I met around 25 people each time. Were you a solo founder in your first business? I had co-founders, but either they joined later on or they weren't full-time. So they were in the trenches, but not quite. I was, I was looking to find... As committed. They were definitely committed, even financially committed, but I was kind of find, keen to find ideally two co-founders from day one full-time. Because I hear a lot from second-time founders when they've done the journey by themselves the first time, the second time they're always like, I was definitely intentional in finding people to share the load because it is really difficult to build and scale a successful company, right? And when you were looking for co-founders, you said you met 25, did they know that you were interviewing them? Yep. Or did you use a recruitment process or was it natural, organic meetings? I used every process possible from friends to business school friends, old colleagues, friends of friends, LinkedIn. I got many potential candidates from a business school alumni newsletter. I was having one coffee after another. And what were you looking for? As you said, I was looking for someone different from me in terms of skill set and background, ideally. Someone keen to jump ship full-time someone passionate about food. So going back to the omni-channel aspect of your business, what was the first deal that you did after you launched subscription? 
So completely by chance, one year in, we got approached by one of the main department stores in the UK to have a concession in their food hall. And they wrote to us on our Instagram. <laughs> and uh, after that, we opened a concession with them. And then we opened a, a pasta bar restaurant. So that's been a, an amazing voyage over the past four years. How do you use those other retail experiences to drive traffic to your subscription business? Or do you? We try and they do work. They do work because we ask our customers where they come from when they heard the brands. And so they do bring an incremental high value traffic to our website, which is very powerful. I think the opposite, on the other hand, is very limited. I think there's very limited uh, cannibalization of our online offer from other channels. So it is very accretive to the online business as well as to the company. However, I would say in a relatively minor way. If you could provide one key bit of advice to businesses looking to set up subscription, what would it be? I would say that ultimately your business needs to work. Your business needs to be successful. And subscription for sure is a powerful tool to achieve that. I wouldn't put all my eggs into it. I definitely wouldn't do that. We didn't do that. We're very happy we didn't do that. So just like we love our subscription business, it's growing, it's a cornerstone of our company. I would also use it as a pragmatic tool to build the brand and enable you to open other channels. Why do you think most subscription businesses fail? Ultimately, the retention is tricky mm. uh, because most products, you can buy them in a shop, you can buy them from a competitor, and the friction of going back on the website to reorder that is tricky. Uh, and therefore, that marketing dollar you just spend for acquiring the new customers and retaining the existing ones in such a way that is value accretive is very tricky. How did you approach pricing when you were first launching and how do you think about pricing today? We're not overly scientific on this. I think we're trying to improve. We want to be competitive. We want to sell products to a significant percentage of UK consumers. Whilst we're a premium product, we don't want to be hitting only 1% of customers. It's pasta. Everyone eats pasta and we want everyone to eat our pasta. Having said that, it is premium pasta, so it costs more. I think what we're focused on is really creating delicious products, unique products. And I would say three quarters of our dishes, you can't buy them in stores. Okay, so we are in the middle of various economic crises from energy and fuel to food consumption and food growth. Are you thinking about how these might impact your business? You are a food business and there have been supply chain issues, shortages, etc. How are you thinking about this? Whether it's Brexit impacting labour in F&B, in the food and beverage sector in the UK, or paper and pulp in increasing packaging, or energy, or food costs, it's all pointing in the wrong direction. And therefore, you need to increase prices. Simple as that, unfortunately. For sure, clever people are trying to increase prices in a judicious way to still provide value to customers. We're trying to increase prices perhaps only on certain SKUs. We're trying to bundle products together make things more efficient, to try and decrease some of those costs, be that packaging or logistics, for example. It's not easy. I would almost single out probably labor as the hardest thing. It's A, increasing in cost. People cost more, especially in London, and there's less of them. And that's providing very challenging for the food and beverage industry. Are you worried about increasing competition from either other subscription businesses or other food business that could take away some of that expertise and that skills that you need from the market today? I would say we've got a lot of issues, you know, on the cost side, on the revenue side, on the operations side, we've got issues all over the place. I would say, thankfully, whilst, you know, we do have some competition, many companies who've copied us, I would say there aren't meaningful direct competitors at the moment, thankfully, in the UK, in our view. 
having said that, food is a massively competitive industry and therefore, you know, share of stomach when you're ordering takeaway or where you're ordering lunch, for sure you've got infinite options. What are you going to do to deal with them? Kill them. And, um, <laughs> I think, you know, quality of product. We're very focused on improving our food and therefore we're building an amazing food team, providing products that other people don't have. I think that's the easiest way. Uh, so product differentiation, uniqueness. Yeah, uniqueness, special shapes, special fillings, special sauces, the texture of the sauces, combinations, new recipes, seasonal, new vegan recipes, flavored butters, the list goes on and on. So thinking about the last 12 months, where have you saved more money than you anticipated and where have you spent more money than you thought you would have? I think we've probably saved money the wrong place. Uh, maybe we haven't grown our team, especially a year ago, as quickly as we should have. We saved in, in, in salary costs, but more importantly, in key roles. And so 6, 12, 18 months ago, we were finding ourselves missing key functions. So we were saving the salary that that key function would have provided for, but the cost of not having that function was much higher. So it was a wrong saving. Totally understand. Alessandro, thank you so much for the valuable insights today. I learned that it's totally okay to be first and be a category defining product, to look for a co founder and be intentional with looking for a co founder, to be in the trenches with you and share the load, and to always think omni channel. And effectively, what you did was use a subscription business as leverage to get other revenue streams to diversify your business. Thank you so much. Super. That's it. Make sure you check out the Business Clash Trends and Insights Hub for the latest articles and videos on everything related to small business finances at americanexpress.com forward slash UK forward slash business class. And don't forget to subscribe to the Business Class Money Minutes, which you'll find wherever you get your podcasts. You'll never miss an episode. Until next time, from me, Sharmadine Reed, and the entire Business Class Money Minutes team, goodbye and take care. No matter the size of your business, American Express has your back. Our range of business cards gives you greater control over your cash flow, so you'll have the flexibility to respond to change and chase opportunities. Plus, you can earn rewards from your day-to-day -day spend and invest it back into your business. Visit americanexpress.com slash uk slash business card to learn more. Terms apply.